You are Locked On Mets, your daily New York Mets podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello to all you amazing Mets fans. You're listening to Locked On Mets, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Thank you for making Locked On Mets your first listen every day. Locked On Mets is free and available on all platforms, including YouTube. And if you're watching on YouTube, today is audio only as I'm on the last day of a little vacation I had. And Outside of the past two days for the Mets, it's been a great trip. Uh, That's what we're going to talk about today on the show. This Mets team was very close to landing the dismount on an incredible stretch to end the first half, and they dropped the ball and they lost the series to the San Diego Padres. Before we talk about any of it, I'm your host, Ryan Finkelstein. If you want to find any of my work, follow me on Twitter at FinkelsteinRyan. You can also find some of my writing at JustBaseball.com, where I work as the managing editor. Now, you look at that series against the Arizona Diamondbacks, where I last left you, I had a pre-recorded show on Friday because I was taking a flight on Thursday night. I land in Chicago and look at my phone, what happened with the Mets game, and I'm delighted to see that they won 9 to nothing against the Diamondbacks, and Francisco Lindor had a game for the ages, 5 for 5, couple of triples, a home run, Francisco Alvarez, Homered at every single game of that series. Pete Alonso had a line drive home run. You got eight shutty from Carlos Carrasco. I'm thinking, man, that prediction I had, the Mets were going to win out to, to close this first half. That's looking pretty good. You know, it's looking like, hey, eight in a row, went out, two games under 500 going to the break. It, it felt to me like something that not only did I feel I had some I don't want to say it's credit to me, but it's something I was speaking to existence so much that I believed it. I, I wholeheartedly believed it, not because I said it, because when you say something with such conviction for as long as I was saying it for this this eight-game stretch and they win game after game after game and that number that they have to get to gets smaller and smaller and smaller, I'm, I'm thinking, wow, they're going to pull this off. They're going to pull off eight in a row and this is going to be a new season. And that only gets reaffirmed game one against the Padres where, you know, things didn't go the Mets way. It wasn't a nine to nothing victory, right? And those are the games when they go your way that you're like, all right, maybe the luck's on your side. You know, Justin Verlander, good, not great. Six innings, three runs allowed, two of them earned. The Mets were in a 3-1 hole at one point, and then Francisco Lindor homer, and then he came around and scored later on a hit by Daniel Vogelback, and you're sitting with a tie game, and you end up in extra innings, and... Top of the 10th, the Mets put up four runs, and that's not something you see often nowadays, um, despite the help that you get um, with that extra inning rule with, with the runner on second base. It feels like teams either score a two or one, and then you know, it's up to the home team to either match or, or end it, and if the home team is able to, to keep you shut out in that first part of the 10th, usually the game ends in the bottom half. So the Mets put up all those runs, uh, you know, They actually gave up a couple in the bottom half, but still found their way out of it. And you're thinking, all right, that's six in a row, two to go. And even if you don't win out, 
Because you know you had David Peterson going up against Blake Snell. That didn't seem like a really advantageous position to be in on Saturday. Sunday, you had Max Scherzer. Yes, Joe Musgrove on the other side, but you figure, hey, Max Scherzer, going to show up. You're going to at least win the series, is, is at least the way I just read the situation. And honestly, at the time, as I drop uh, some sunglasses in the car that I'm recording in here, um, but at that time, I really believed in my heart of hearts that, uh, you know, that they were going to do it, that they were going to pull it off. And Blake Snell just completely dominates them, and then Max Scherzer gives up two back-breaking home runs to Manny Machado, and now you're sitting here, and you're going into the break, and you're six games under 500. And a team that you're in direct competition with in that wild card, the Padres, who are in the same boat as you, teams that have just been massive disappointments on big budgets. They look better than you in this series. You know, they had the better pitching in this series. They had the stars. Machado came up big. And it leads you to ask the question again about you know, what is this season going to become? Is there any hope for the New York Mets to find their way into the fold? It's frustrating. It's a frustrating end because if I told you, if I rewind the tape, right, and when the Mets are... You know, down to that point where they are eight games left going into the break. You keep on losing series after series. You haven't won a series since you swept the Phillies at the end of May leading into June. If I told you then, hey, the Mets are going to win six of their last eight. Sign up for it. Sign right on the dotted line. You'd say, all right, I will take that to the bank would be perfectly fine. But they win six in a row. And all you ask is, hey, win one of the last two and make sure you win the series. But you'll lose another series. And it it's it's not a good feeling going into the break anymore. You were riding high. And on top of going from riding high, winning six in a row to dropping the last two, Tommy Pham exits this game with a groin injury. Now, we have no idea it happens at the right time uh, in some respects because you go into the all-star break and now he's going to have some time to rest regardless. But if that thing is bad, not only does it take him off the table for your roster in July, hell, it might take him off your the table as far as a trade chip, maybe your best trade chip. You say Tommy Pham best trade chip. <laughs> is that crazy? I mean, look at the guys the Mets have to deal. It's Tommy Pham, Mark Canna, Omar Nervaez, maybe. And what team's really going to you know, pay much for that? David Robertson, but what are you going to get for a rental reliever? Max Scherzer, pff, who's buying him the way he pitched today? So Tommy Pham, with how hot he's been, his one-year $6 million contract that the Mets probably even eat down a little bit to help some of these teams if they're interested in that part of it. He was looking like a great trade piece where, hell, even if you were kind of halfway in the race, you might still flip him to get something back and start Mark Marcana every day down the stretch because 
Why not cash in on an asset that just materialized out of thin air? And just as quickly, that, that might be off the table now. So we'll have to see what happens there. But I think the biggest story that I can really look at here through this closing stretch that led into the break is the fact that once again, we're having this conversation about Max Scherzer dropping the ball. And the fact that he just cannot stop getting destroyed by the home run ball. And that's what I want to discuss next. Why is he just getting absolutely crushed on home runs this year? Because he's on pace for his worst season ever at keeping the ball in the yard. And that's got to be pretty concerning uh, to a guy in Steve Cohen who's investing over a million dollars per start on what's been... Unfortunately, when you put it all together, despite the good stretches, kind of a disaster of a season for Scherzer, where he once again, in a big moment, does not deliver. So we're going to get to that in just a minute. Before we do, today's episode is brought to you by Game Time. If you've ever been in the situation where you want to get to the game, but you just don't have tickets, don't know where to search for them, and, and all the prices seem way too high, Game Time is a fast and easy way to buy tickets for all the sports, music, comedy, and theater near you with killer deals on last-minute tickets and their best price guarantee. So you can stop stressing over the tickets, know you're getting that best price, and start getting hyped with the fun you're going to have at the game. The Game Time Guarantee means you'll always have the best price. If you find tickets in the same section and row for less, Game Time will credit you 110% of the difference. It's the fastest-growing ticketing app in the country for a reason. Get images of your seats before you buy so you know exactly what to expect when you arrive. Buy tickets in a matter of seconds. Two taps, you're all set. Tickets are sent directly to your phone so you never have to dig through your email. You can snag tickets without the stress with Game Time by downloading the Game Time app, create an account, and use code LOCKEDONMLB for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create an account, redeem the code LOCKEDONMLB for $20 off. Download Game Time today. Last-minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. When you look at why the Mets lost this series to the Padres, there's a couple of reasons. One, they scored three runs in the final two games. Okay, That's not going to put up a lot of victories, right? But also, in the first inning, you're immediately deflated in this game on Sunday as Max Scherzer, your supposed ace, gives up a three-run homer. And we've even heard Max Scherzer with the quote, hey, as I've said in the past, solo home runs don't kill you. Well, guess what? Three-run homers do. And as much as you can just be a little nonchalant about giving up home runs, hey, it's, it's part of pitching, you know, you're attacking the zone, sometimes it'll come back to burn you, it's just about when you give them up. Look, there's nothing pretty about 18 home runs allowed in 87 and two-thirds. Absolutely nothing, okay? It's been brutal. And you look at the game logs, and you look at how many times this dude has given up home runs. Okay, look at the first four starts. Gives up one home run to the Marlins, three to the Brewers. When he faced the Padres the first time, did not allow a home run. Then he doesn't allow a home run to the Dodgers in the game where he got you know taken out for the sticky stuff and suspended. Okay, 
Comes back, gives up a couple to the Tigers. Doesn't give up any to the Nationals or the Guardians. And then, Rockies, one home run allowed. Okay, he faces the Phillies, does not allow a home run. And then in his last one, two, three, four, five, six, seven starts, he's allowed home runs. Seven starts in a row. This guy has given up home runs. And for the season, he's only failed. (laughs) Um, Failed. He's only succeeded at keeping the ball in the yard on, was it, five occasions? Yeah, five occasions this year. He's made 16 starts, so 11 of the 16 now. He's given up home runs. And 18 home runs allowed on the season. I'm trying to you know, rack my brain about what could possibly be wrong with them. And it's not that this stuff is bad all of a sudden. It, it's not that, you know, he's suddenly lost a couple of miles on the fastball. It's quite simply, he's making mistakes. That's what home runs are most of the time. The pitcher makes a mistake and leaves one over the heart of the plate. You look at all the home runs he's given up. So many of them are center cut. It's hanging sliders or missing his spot on a fastball. And, you know, that's what age will do to you. Here's the guy that last year pitched to a sub-3 ERA. What was the difference last year and this year? Was the stuff drastically better I mean obviously the results were but to me it was just the consistency was so much better he was able to never make that mistake when he got in jams he always got the big pitch and you still see him with that ability now but it's a guy that All of a sudden, it seems like opposing hitters have some comfort level in the box, which they're not supposed to when it's Max Scherzer, first ballot Hall of Famer. And, man, it is is tough to watch. And here's the, the other thing, too. Look at the opponent batting average against him, right? Early on in his career, you know, you have the two Diamondbacks years, and then you got to Detroit, and... There's a lot of seasons there where you see batters hitting, you know, 250 or above, or in the, the mid twos um, when it comes to opponent and batting average against them, right? Gets to Washington, 2015. Opponent batting average against 208. Uh, 2016, 199. 2017, 178. 2018, 188. 2019, 222. Guys did not get hits off Max Scherzer. The 2020 season, you take it for what it was. 260 average against, but it's 12 starts. 2021, it's back down to 185. And last year, it was 207. This year, opponents are hitting 251 against Max Scherzer. 251, which has not happened where they've hit over 250 against him since 2012. And again, that's me throwing out the 2020 season. But it's been a decade since he's been this hittable. And the home runs, yeah, he's had some bad years. Look, there was one year, 2016, where he might even want to Cy Young that year. I have to rack my brain and go back in time on that one. Um, But 
he he did give up 31 home runs that season. But he pitched to a 2.96 ERA and you know, maybe that was just a, a year where he was a little bit unluckier. Maybe it was like this one where he was making some mistakes and and, and they were coming back to to haunt him, but it's it's been a brutal run. And the crazy thing is here I was campaigning for him to, to make the two starts this week. Because, look, say what you want about the home run ball and everything else, and you know, here's a guy that has been able to you know correct himself midseason a couple times here. You know, he was able to, after blowing up brutally coming off of that suspension, he had the ERA at 5.56, and he cut all the way down to 3.21 at one point. Then it ballooned up again, a couple bad starts. He's sitting at a 4.45 on June 13th, and then it was all the way back down to you know 3.87 a couple starts later. But his last two starts leading to the break, he gives up four runs on three home runs and gives up five runs, two home runs allowed. And you were lucky you won that first game. And somehow his record on the season is 8-3, but man, he's been a disappointment. And I, I think it's just crazy that, that you're at this point in the season, heading into the All-Star break, and guess who's the Mets All-Star? It's Kodai Senga. That's what I want to talk about next here. It's All-Star break. Seems like at this point, as far as I can tell, we know who, who's going to be representing the Mets. Um, and I want to discuss Senga getting in and the, the ridiculousness of Lindor not. So we're going to do that um, before we close the show. But I want to tell you that this show is brought to you by BetterHelp. Getting to know yourself can be a lifelong process, especially because we're always growing and changing. Therapy is all about deepening your self-awareness and understanding because sometimes we don't know what we want or why we react the way we do until we talk things through. BetterHelp connects you with a licensed therapist who can take you on that journey of self-discovery from wherever you are. Personally, I am someone who has been in and out of therapy my entire life. You know, There's been times where I lean on it more. There's times where I just need that check-in every couple months. It just It's a good way for me to, to, to talk to someone who's a third-party observer, not someone in my family, someone who I can just openly share my thoughts with and and, and get some, some help. And if you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire, get matched with a licensed therapist, and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Discover your potential with BetterHelp by visiting betterhelp.com slash LockedInMLB today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P, dot com, slash locked on MLB. Now, at the point of this recording, the New York Mets have two All-Stars, Kodai Senga and Pete Alonzo. Alonzo, we already knew about, uh, you know, well-deserved guy, who just should be an all-star every year based on the star power that he brings, the fact that he is a resident uh, in that home run derby and always puts on a show, and also the fact that, you know, he puts up a home run spectacle throughout every single season for the Mets. So I don't think we have to spend too much time on Pete. The Kodai Senga inclusion is pretty special. And here's a guy who pretty much pitched himself into the game with a really good stretch closing out that first half. His last seven starts, Kodai Senga pitched to a 2.59 ERA with 
52 strikeouts and 41 and two-third innings pitched. And you know, his last start was sensational. Eight innings, the 12 strikeouts against the, a great team in the Diamondbacks. Really good offensive group. And he had their number. And he is, if you want to talk about star spectacle, guys you want to see pitch, on this Mets roster, when you look at starting pitchers, I, I would be hard-pressed to, to pick anyone over Kodai Senga for someone that you'd want to watch in what is a display of the best talent in baseball. And Kodai Senga is that. I mean, because he's considered a rookie, say, you know, best rookie starter uh, in the National League outside of, you know, a guy that just got sent to the minors for innings limit um, and Yuri Perez of the Marlins. But, man, I, I mean, Senga has just been consistent. Um, he's taken the ball 16 times in the first half, which means something when you're talking about a starter coming over from the MPB for the first time, and he closes it out with a 3-3-1 ERA uh, in the first half with those 113 strikeouts and 89 two-thirds. So Senga, absolutely deserving of this. Happy to see him get that nod. Lindor, though, is the biggest snub imaginable. Look at the statistics for qualified shortstops, or even just, let's actually even expand this pool so we can include, because I don't see Geraldo Perdomo in here at all, so let's let's expand this out, um, see if I can get Perdomo in these rankings. We'll, we'll do two 150 plate appearances this season, because, uh, you know, if you do it too small of a sample size, you're going to get uh, Ellie De La Cruz way up in this list. <laughs> Matt McClain, uh, another guy here, 49 games, he's been sensational for the Reds as well, but Again, now expanded out, we got Geraldo Perdomo in there, who's played 16 less games than Francisco Lindor for what that's worth. Um, Perdomo is the replacement for Dansby Swanson. He's in 274, 379 on base. Good stats. Lindor's at 239 and 321. That was before the game today, but still. Um, these stats taken uh, from Fangrass, they have not updated for the final game. Still, though, point stands. Okay, you look at those two stats and say, well, I, I see why Perdomo makes it. Find me any other statistic. And we have gotten to the point where we can measure these players better than ever before. So we have a stat that measures offensive value. It's called WRC+, weighted runs creative plus. It measures hitters based on a league average of 100. Lindor at 120. Perdomo, 118. You don't like advanced stats, okay? How about... Old-fashioned ones. Home runs. How many does Perdomo have? He has five. How many does Lindor have? 19 to lead all National League shortstops. Runs batted in. You know, that helps your team win. Driving in runs, right? Supposed to. Lindor's got 60. Next best shortstop is Willie Adamas. He's not having a good year, but he does have 46 runs batted in. No one's even close to Lindor in that department. Perdomo is about half. 33, a little more than half. Stolen bases. Hey, Perdomo swipes bags. He's got speed. Got 10 steals. Lindor's got 13. Run scored. Perdomo's in that great offense. I'm sure he scored a lot. 37 runs scored. Lindor, 56. And let's just go with Fangrass wins above replacement. Who's been the most valuable shortstop to their team? Francisco Lindor is sitting at a 3.3 F4. Dansby Swanson, 2.9. Geraldo Perdomo, 2.5. Those two guys were both named All-Stars before Lindor was. Make it make sense. Make it make sense. And last year, 
Lindor was an all-star snub. And by season's end, he was ranked by a lot of people as the best shortstop in baseball, or at least the best shortstop in the National League. Either him or Trey Turner at the time. And drove in over 100, and he put up a near seven-win season. So we're going to look back at the end of this season probably, and be it'll be pretty obvious that they got it wrong. And why are they keeping him out of the All-Star game? I have no idea. Is it because you got the Phillies manager making these decisions? Possibly. But that is petty and ridiculous if that's the case. So, look, Lindor should be an All-Star. Honestly, Brandon Nemo should be an All-Star. And yet, I still have to loop it all back around and say when your team is as bad as the Mets were in the first half, I shouldn't do what I just did. I should not be complaining about All-Star selections because... Your team sucks, you're not going to get as many guys in the game. You don't deserve four all-stars when your team's bad. But also, it's blatantly obvious that Lindor deserves to be an all-star before Geraldo Perdomo. But congratulations when you play uh, the Immaculate Grid 10 years from now and you remember that Geraldo Perdomo played for like five teams because he gets passed around at some point his career, uh, and you look back, oh, he had an all-star season, you'll get to see that when you check him out on Baseball Reference, where you're also going to look at Lindoris and be like, oh, he was, uh, I think now he's a four-time all-star, uh, I'm, you know, maybe he finished his career six-time all-star, like, I can't believe Lindor wasn't an all-star seven, eight, nine times, he was, you know, the best shortstop in baseball for a decade, and it's years like this and last year where the snubs happened that just don't make sense, so... Anyway, that's going to be all for today's edition of Locked On Mets. I'll be back home uh, doing a podcast that you can see on YouTube as well for the rest of the week uh, with the video component back. Uh, there's a lot to talk about. We've got the Home Run Derby. It is obviously going to be a topic of discussion with Pete Alonso competing in it. But I, I want to do a show this week on the two Franciscos and the future of the Mets being tied to them. And, of course, I'm talking about Alvarez and Lindor. Uh, we're going to do a show about what is the best thing for the Mets at the deadline to – buy, sell, or stand pat. Um, and, of course, uh, you know draft analysis. I'll be doing a Friday Farm Report next week on the MLB draft and who the Mets selected. Try to get you um, an expert on, someone that can, can help me break it all down, and you can uh, learn more there. So, anyway, good week ahead. Make sure you follow, rate, and review wherever you get your podcast. Follow me on Twitter at Finkelstein Ryan, and follow the show at Locked On Mets.